I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is TCS, the Tech Central show brought to you by Tech Central. Subscribe at youtube.com slash techcentral and hit the bell icon and you'll never miss another episode. Now, Robert Bryan, you are the, uh, get your title right, Director of Cyber and Intelligence Solutions in Southern Africa for MasterCard. We're going to have a fascinating discussion today about security in the payment space. So thank you for joining us. Great to be here, Duncan. Great. Thanks, Robert. So um, I thought a good starting point for this discussion would actually be to get an understanding of what MasterCard is. Um, I think everyone knows the MasterCard brand. I had a look, by the way, you're the 19th most valuable company in the world by market capitalization. So clearly there's, a, there's, there's good money to be made in whatever it is that MasterCard actually does. Good to know. Um, you're a payments processor, but you're much more than that as well. Just maybe take us through what's involved yeah. um, underneath the brand that everyone knows. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I sit in a, in a slightly different function within uh, MasterCard, mm-hmm. but more on that in a second. But uh, MasterCard, the way that we've kind of moved is probably away from what you thought we were in the past. Uh, origins around Master Charge, mm-hmm. uh, association with the, the priceless uh, and brand and so on. And we moved much more into becoming a, a technology enabler. Um, yes, payments at our core. And the function that I really sit in has been there from the start, um, really around enabling trust, mm-hmm. um, what it means to a cardholder or a consumer or a, a business, trying to transact, get paid, um, identify yourself, and also to do bits of commerce mm-hmm. and various other different fun- functions as well. Mm-hmm. So the entity that I sit in, in uh, Cyber Intelligence Solutions, uh, we're effectively a, a fairly large um, security and technology provider um, working a lot in the risk space, um, really enabling that component of trust and uh, increasingly things like artificial intelligence. How can we can, can we wrap um, different data elements and attribution around how our consumers may be behaving, uh, what they're trying to do, and also what the fraudsters, on the other hand, are trying to intercept. Right. And that's really where we come in um, to protect and enable this safety and security component. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the business has changed quite quite a lot in, in, in just even in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, would you say MasterCard is a technology company or a financial services company? I think we're probably a bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably straddling uh, both of those uh, sectors at the moment. And increasingly, it's really moving around who were our customers in the past mm-hmm. um, and embracing a whole new segment of, of rails, of uh, capabilities and yeah. platforms. Yeah. And increasingly, it's about how can we speed up access to those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a fintech company, in essence. Uh, In a way, yeah. We're enabling many of the fintech um, success stories that you hear out there. So a lot of our strategy around uh, enabling this is really success with partners. Um, So it's really about enabling the fintech success stories to happen. And often it's our underlying tech and platforms and so Mm -hmm. on that that is there, all the while preserving this uh, golden thread of of trust and security. So MasterCard's customers are the banks predominantly. Is that is that correct? yeah? Traditionally, it would be a, a banking customer, so uh, either an acquirer, merchant, and issuer, mm-hmm. um, and in some way enabling payments. Um, and now, increasingly, you know, we're broadening that segment focus um, to look at things like digital partners, mm-hmm. um, even government as a as a customer. You know, there's a lot of different uh, segments that we are now starting to service, yeah. and and that's really where we've made uh, some key key investments. Um, particularly around AI and yeah. different platform access and yeah. this, uh, you know, data access. How do you do that in a in a strong governance and ethics um, tight bound way, but also to accommodate things like uh, GDPR and data protection acts mm-hmm. and and increasingly uh, elements around trust. 
Mm-hmm. Must be an incredibly regula- heavily regulated industry that you operate in. For sure, and and very different segments. So, any on a on a day to day basis, we might be looking at you know fifteen, sixteen different uh, uh, jurisdictions, mm-hmm. and then within that subset, even within an element like cyber, we talk about cyber domain. Yep. And of course, there's any number of uh, different specialisms within mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing in this in the field of AI. Obviously, AI has been in the news a lot this year already. Oh, for sure. BGPT and, yeah. and uh, now even Elon Musk is saying that he wants to start developing his own AI mm-hmm. platform and is hiring, hiring engineers to do that. Yeah. A lot of excitement in that space. Um, tell, tell me a bit about how MasterCard wants to use AI. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, one of the, the acquisitions that we made, um, a, a fairly uh, recent acquisition, uh, although not that recent in terms of AI um, terms, yeah. the speed is, is pretty rapid. But um, going back to 2012, 2013, um, we uh, were a Britarian customer, um, started by a really interesting guy who uh, was at the forefront of uh, a number of different patents in, mm-hmm. that, in that space. But we've taken this... Uh, Strong view that look if we can do data attribution in a in an ethical way, um, wrapping privacy by by design around it, mm-hmm. it actually means that we can send when you do a tap at a at a terminal, we can send your recent history of transactions mm-hmm. in a blind model, scoring all of the three and a half trillion plus transactions a year, mm-hmm. um, but an individual model. So it's going to come back with a very specific fraud score um, around this is Duncan or Duncan's card, yes. his card number. We've seen him do recent transactions in this geography in the past. Okay, um, it's not a, nothing unusual. The IP address all checks out, so that's kind of how we've been able to take a consistent platform of AI um, and really good rollout um, to the extent that you know we can turn out uh, an AI model in something under six weeks mm. um, to be able to tackle a specific use case. Mm-hmm. Everything from homeland security through to fraud, financial crime, mm-hmm. um, money laundering, that sort of thing. And so, so do you work? I imagine you work very closely with the banks on that. When, when I walk into my local supermarket and tap my Mastercard at the point of sale, what's actually happening behind the scenes? That transaction is then yeah. going back to the bank, my bank, or to the to the so retailer's bank. A, a bunch of different things might be happening in any one flow. Yeah. So, uh, a tap at a merchant or your supermarket, you know, there could be anything from ten to twelve different standards, mm-hmm. um, including EMV including the contactless encryption. Um, so it's a very secure um, method of doing the payments world. We talk about clear auth and settle. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have an, an authentication leg that says that, look, this is really Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to do multi-factor um, authentication or risk-based authentication, often seamlessly, mm-hmm. so that there's no need to step up or challenge you. Um, and that's the reason why these uh, new payment methods mm-hmm are actually so quick and we can do it in, uh, in near real time, yes. know, fractions of a microsecond, um, to be able to send that to all of the different parties in the transaction, whether it's the merchant, their acquirer, your issuing bank, and in some cases even to look at uh, some of the different elements where we've mm-hmm. got a fraud attack actually happening. Um, the AI is actually able to, smart, or to be smart enough to mm-hmm. trigger that, look, this is way above what we'd see in normal parameters. And so in that kind of way, we're able to pass an alert or a notification through to your bank to say, um, we think something unusual is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, please reach out to Duncan and, and verify that he's done this transaction. And well, most of this is all automated, I imagine. Uh, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. all, it's all automated. So we really embraced uh, the element of machine learning mm-hmm. and uh, the algorithms are really smart. And it also has put a lot of the 
issuer or bank-led um, controls for them to be able to do it self-service mm -hmm. and also to, um, in real time, update that model. So every transaction that we see, effectively the model is being updated um, as we go. Now you're Director of Cyber and Intelligence Solutions. Tell me a bit about what your day job entails. Uh, so sure, day job is really dealing with uh, the broad segment, um, cross-section of customers. So anything from a bank to uh, to a government entity, it could be uh, somebody in in uh, in central bank um, financial surveillance department looking at money laundering, or looking at crypto transactions, for example, mm -hmm. all the way through to a merchant trying to get paid or to raise a charge back, um, looking at a disputed transaction that they want to mm -hmm. um, query. Um, so that is uh, kind of day to day for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, uh, it's the security side of things is a big focus for you as well. Yeah, for sure. So increasingly, it's it's this kind of convergence of a lot of risks. So um, as well as AI, you know, we've really had to wrap our heads around um, cyber significantly. Mm -hmm. You know, we suffer something like uh, 60 attacks a second. Good grief. Um, it could be as much as 200 attacks um, uh, that These automated that attacks, get. mainly. Yeah, absolutely. And so this distribution, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of see this in the in the working in, um, environment that um, we've gone for a gig economy mm -hmm. and uh, everything is a service, um, now including fraud, including cyber attacks, including uh, attacks on payment methods. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely what we've got. We've got this uh, very distributed threat. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there's the big syndicates that are still out there globally operating. But you've also got the millennials kind of tweeting or uh, putting up on social media um, different attack methods and sharing vulnerabilities or exploits. Don millennials. <laughs> yeah. um, South Africa is introducing something called um, RPP or Rapid Payment Platform, I think it stands for. Yeah. It's a reserve bank initiative. Um, I think informally it's being called PayShop and it's being launched mm. sometime in the next week in South Africa yeah. officially. Yeah. Is MasterCard involved in that at all? So on the RPP, uh, in terms of uh, some of the enabling tech, you know, worldwide we've seen different um, jurisdictions and different uh, central switches, um, different banking sectors really mm -hmm. look at payment rails that suit their, their, their market. Mm -hmm. um, an example would be UPI in India. Um, they use different uh, message formats. Yeah. So even though it might be an ISO message format um, from international standards, we can choose different um, deployment methods, I mm -hmm. guess. So some of what we do is to convert and to translate um, different message formats into a common one that can hit our decision management platform so that in real time, Duncan's push payment mm -hmm. um, or pull payment or card transaction can actually be scored or, or decision in real time mm -hmm. to say, is this good or bad? Mm -hmm. Or is there an element of uh, maybe uh, email redirection um, or business email compromise mm -hmm to say that this isn't actually a conveyance of trying to do a transaction or receive funds, it's probably a fraud syndicate. And they popped up before because we can see this URL in a different domain. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore we can actually start to flag merchants. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about how the payment space has changed since the advent of the COVID-19 mm -hmm. pandemic. Uh, obviously mm -hmm. there was a big shift in consumer behavior. I often um, have a laugh with, with people about um, how consumer attitudes have changed towards mm -hmm. tap to pay in South Africa. Yeah. Before COVID, people in my own family even would say, uh, that's not safe, I'm just tap, no, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. even want this card to be enabled. Then COVID arrived, no one wanted to touch point of sale devices and South Africans took to it like a duck to water and now sure. I go into the supermarket and everyone's either tapping their phone or mm -hmm. they're tapping their watch or tapping their card yeah. at the point of sale. 
Um, so that's that. COVID has really changed um, consumer behavior there. But what what is the impact of the of some of that consumer uh, behavior change been on the market on mm. on financial companies like Mastercard? Yeah. So so for sure we've seen consumer adoption. Um, you know, levitate and uh, really exponential growth around um, contactless adoption. Um, of course, it's all about customer experience at the end of the day, um, but also about security. So actually one of the safest transactions you could make might be a contactless transaction. Mm -hmm. So instead of handing over your card or uh, giving the fraudster or the cashier an opportunity to, to skim using the track and the yeah. mag stripe and all of those different right. vulnerabilities, you know, that uh, encryption is, is staying in your possession. Yes. Or you're using a token like your watch or your device or, mm -hmm. your, or your phone. And uh, so it's really had multiple elements of control mm -hmm. and different interventions to keep that um, payment method or the form factor um, consistent so that we can see it. It also allows for things like tokenization, mm -hmm. um, obfuscation of some of the other data that which might have been read off the, off the magstripe. Right. And so this uh, combination of consumer adoption, you know, the, the speed at which you can do the transaction mm -hmm. without having to enter a PIN, hopefully, um, without being challenged, and mm -hmm. also the, the actual uh, speed at which the merchant receives funds mm. um, in some manner is, is actually a lot better. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's quite interesting to see the, the ch this, this massive change in consumer behavior. Yeah. Um, we've, we've come a long way in terms of security on, on, on these rights. I mean, CHIP... When we mm. initially got bank cards, they, they used a mag stripe originally, didn't they? So, well, if you look back at, uh, at the kind of 1960s yeah. uh, charge card, you know, it would be a, an embossed card number, oh. uh, physically printed. You know, it could almost be made out of wood. Um, wow. And funny that we've come back to recycled cards now right. or to, uh, to environmentally friendly plastics and so on. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the Magstripe kind of is where the standard started. But of course, you've got to think about how we did data storage in those days. Mm -hmm. And uh, from the days of kind of cassette tapes and reels and so on, um, digitization, uh, it, it kind of didn't really carry through to the payments industry mm -hmm. um, all that quickly. And the challenge is, of course, that you didn't have that much data storage available to be able to read what you needed to do to verify that, look, is this Duncan or not? Um, so you were typically looking at card number um, at the point of sale device mm -hmm. or at the merchant's terminal um, with the EMV and the chip technology, you know, the, the extra data storage as well as the ability to add encryption mm -hmm. and things like key exchange and a whole bunch of other different things to verify, validate um, what you had. Um, that's really sped up the speed at which the transaction can occur, yeah. but it's also injected a whole lot of different elements around security. Yeah. Why does my bank card still have a mag stripe on it? So it's probably going to be demised fairly soon. Oh, but the, one of the reasons is that different um, jurisdictions around the world were either slow to adopt because of national standards. or The U.S. was quite slow, wasn't it? Yeah, the U.S. was one of the, 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 the later countries to, uh, to drop it. I think the other one was probably Indonesia. And okay. uh, some of that is this tension between uh, what technology is out, is out there versus uh, and available versus what's practical to roll out quickly mm -hmm. at scale, and also what, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the banking sector, um, either regulation or adoption is like. Mm -hmm. Now, EMV is a, um, a standard that was developed by, in fact, it's short for Europe, a MasterCard Visa, if I remember Correct. correctly. 
Um, and those were the Agam Giesing were the participants in creating that. So I imagine there are other participants in the process now. Yes. Um, but this was developed when? In the 1990s? So in mid to late 90s, EMV mm. is, is really there. And in fact, uh, some of our leadership team, uh, you know, were kind of instrumental in, in pulling that together. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and how, just maybe take me through how that changed the market. Because you, you had a market with, full of MagStripe cards up to that point, And yeah. there was a lot of, I imagine, fraud going on as well on the back of that, which had necessitated the need to move to EMV or, or the players in the industry saw that yeah. fraud was going to become a big problem with MagStripe cards. Mm. And so, so the world had to move to to EMV and that's 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 happened, but it's the process. It's taken an incredibly long time. Of course, yeah. the adoption, etc. Some countries slower than others. Um, maybe just take me through yeah. what the impact was of launching EMV on the. So I, I think the dynamics. You've got to just think. You just wind back a second on the the reading of a card number. Mm-hmm. So we had the old zip zap machine yes. where you take a carbon imprint. I remember those, uh, particularly actually. on uh, mm. on credit cards and when you're traveling. I'd forgotten about or those high things. ticket items, you know, you know hotels and stuff. Yeah. It's a distant memory, but mm. you know that also meant that there was a, a, a carbon copy, literally, yeah. Yeah. of the card number present in the merchant for all kinds of things around what we'd know as as account data compromise. Mm. So this was your card number can be uh, intercepted or or uh, breached by somebody, and mm. effectively they can then do a transaction or create on an embossing machine. Uh, a fake mm. impression of that card number so that you can then do zip zap transactions somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, same technology or same uh, attack method really is what we're trying to do or prevent with EMV. But of course on a MagStripe, you know, when you swipe the card, mm. um, effectively if somebody puts a, a reader or a skimming device yep. into the ATM or into the pause machine or whatever it is, then effectively you're, you're providing the track information to be read. Yes. And therefore, you know, that's really why the, the scale of attacks um, yeah. ramped up. Um, with the chip adoption, um, it's really meant that we verify with the PIN. So we're providing enough technology to be able to do a key exchange mm-hmm. so that if uh, Duncan were to uh, provide the incorrect PIN, we mm-hmm. can actually have a response to verify, look, uh, do these two keys or locks and keys um, intersect is it a match and if not well then we can decline the transaction yeah yeah. so it removed a lot of risk for the merchant um and also for the banks yeah yeah yeah. obviously the other thing that happened during COVID was um a lot of people for the first time started uh, buying on stuff online yeah Uh, e-commerce took off in a big way including here in south africa uh what what has the impact of of that been Uh, has there has there been a spike in fraudulent activity, taking so, advantage uh, of consumers yeah. who are new to the space? So I think in terms of uh, overall growth, you know, in the e- e-commerce and online uh, space, um, similar to, uh, to Contactus, you know, it's really uh, exponential adoption. Mm-hmm. But uh, we might talk about something between 50 to 60% um, incremental in that uh, consumer behavior. You know, you didn't want to go out. In many cases, physical lockdowns yeah. actually prevented uh, a lot of that uh, past pattern. And the other side is that, of course, the fraudsters weren't able to go and do their in-brick-and-mortar store fraud. Um, so they've also moved themselves and their posture and the resources mm. that they've got um, into the online space as well. Um, the other side is that, of course, consumer behavior has meant that um, you have get so much more choice. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that's the impact of what we're seeing around data, merchants taking themselves online, um, SMEs um, taking their business into, into the online space. And uh, a lot of what we do is to try and protect them in that in that new frontier, I guess, mm. um, to keep the risk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, I think it actually leads us on quite nicely to, to my next question. And I really want to explore, and maybe over a, a period of a couple of minutes, going into sure. what consumers in South Africa, I suppose this applies universally, but maybe there's some local specific issues mm-hmm. that, that are worth considering. But how, how should consumers be going about protecting themselves when they are shopping online? What, what are some of the key things they should be doing? And, and what are yeah. some of the things that, um, that perhaps even someone who's tech-savvy like myself mm-hmm. might not know about? For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the first choice that you've got as a consumer ultimately is to A, choose your bank. Uh, think about consumer experience. Am I getting good value for money here? Mm-hmm. Uh, is the experience frustrating? Um, what's the experience like for the merchant as well? And uh, I think that also guides a lot in, as to where you shop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that kind of reinforces so you consider the, the website you're on. Does this look legit? Yeah, 100%. So you've got to think about... Um, the web traffic, you know, is it a well-known domain? Um, does it look genuine? Is it on a secure site? Um, is the is the quality of the build um, and the web page that you're actually shopping on, is it good or not? Um, does it offer a guest checkout? Uh, do you have to compromise a whole lot of personal information in order to be able to actually do the transaction? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times we see a very high cart abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll know if you're on a good site or not and often friction uh, is a good indicator that, yes, there may be security there or there may be use of standards, but it can also be that it's poorly designed mm-hmm. or not that secure. And you should always look for the lock in your uh, yeah. URL bar, and if that's missing, that's a sure sign of trouble. It's ahead. probably a good indicator that, uh, that something's amiss. Mm. And then when it comes to the actual payment to do the transaction, mm-hmm. you know, to perform the checkout, um, how seamless is that uh, good banking set up a lot of integration and, and what we do around authentication should be aimed at, um, particularly with the new EMV standard, um, removing a lot of that friction. Yeah. And uh, in some cases, even making it challengeless or frictionless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, shopping with credit cards online, I mean, cre- this was not what credit cards were originally designed for. They were designed for use in stores. Um, do we need a new model? Uh, do we need something other than a credit card to allow us to mm-hmm. shop securely on the internet? So one of the things you could do, for example, is to uh, create a virtual card. So mm. this is going to be tokenized. Uh, you won't ever get the plastic, but you could enroll it into your token, your, your watch or your device, mm. your cell phone in order to do those transactions. But the same card number, um, or you could add additional card number um, in order to be able to do your online purchases. Yeah. And one way that some consumers would do it is to set up a different card number for recurring transactions or your streaming services. And in that way, you get a lot uh, tighter control. Yeah. Um, and some ways, what we've done is to enable platforms um, so that the power is really in the, in the hands of the consumer um, mm. to be able to set limits, you know, to turn off channels, to disable right. ATM, for example, um, or to turn off cross-border. And in that way, we actually see that there's a lot um, better insight into how their spend is happening. Right. Um, a lot less likely to have a transaction slip through that might be fraudulent. Um, so we've also sped up the chargeback and the dispute process to mm-hmm. inject some of that intelligence so that if you don't recognize a transaction, um, in an ideal world, you should be able to do something in your banking app yes. to uh, initiate uh, not a formal chargeback process, or a query. which uh, typically was mm-hmm. quite a lengthy set of forms and ultimately going to an arbitration, mm-hmm. which is quite costly for everybody and mm-hmm. frustrating for the consumer. Um, but if you can speed that up, you know, it also means that the fraudster can be pulled out of line at the, at the terminal at the airport for a, yeah. an airline ticket that they've, they've bought fraudulently. Mm-hmm. Or the merchant could um, ship 
the TV that's been purchased through fraud, if the chargeback gets raised or queried by the cardholder quickly enough, then it might not even leave the distribution center. Mm-hmm. Um, so the merchant's not out of pocket. As a cardholder, you know, you feel very much that this is yeah. a trust relationship with your bank. And so that's kind of how the stickiness, I think, is uh, people are going to be less likely to move banks if the experience is good. Mm. And uh, similarly, you know, you might be reaching out to a fintech or a wallet provider um, to get access to some of those different form factors, mm. which are maybe slicker and the consumer experience is better. Yeah, yeah. I've been using virtual cards quite a lot in the last few months, actually, particularly on websites that I don't recognize. Yeah. I'll set up a new virtual card. And yeah. I mean, what sort of protections does that give me? I mean, obviously, it's still connected to my principal account. Mm. Uh, I suppose, you know, if there is any suggestion that there might be fraud going on, you can Im- immediately just cancel that virtual card and not have, and not have to cancel your full yeah. credit card, for example. So, so when you set the virtual card up, you might yeah. be able to change different parameters. For example, the channel that it actually gets used on. Okay. So it will be disabled by design for ATM. So wow. if you shop on the website, the fraudster's means of cash out mm-hmm. is effectively blocked. Okay. So it, it's really giving you, as well as your bank, a lot more insight and control and making that ultimate fraud um, fraud logic um, yeah. work a lot better. Yeah. 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 I know some of the banks actually allow you to switch off your card, your yeah. principal card, yes. when you're not using it yeah. as an additional means of protection. Yeah. But I need to investigate that. I'm not sure if my bank offers me that sort of granularity in yeah. terms of what I can do with those cards. But uh, I'll need to investigate. Um, before we wrap today, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about um, crypto, yes. uh, because obviously it's a, I mean, there, there was a lot of talk about um, crypto actually becoming, or the blockchain becoming the yeah. underpinnings of the future financial system, and you're smiling quite broadly there, so, uh, I don't, I, but I don't know what your views are on, 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 on all of this, but yeah. there was talk at one stage, I don't think it's, it's uh, so much of a focus anymore, but certainly at one stage there was talk that the blockchain could power the global financial system. What work is MasterCard doing around crypto, around blockchain. Uh, and I think there was a report just in the last few days, actually, that said that both MasterCard and Visa are perhaps dialing back some of their focus mm-hmm. on crypto, given that the market's in a bit of a funk at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe take me through what some of the work is that MasterCard has done in the crypto and blockchain space and where you see this technology going in the future yeah. in the specific context of financial services. Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, let me address that uh, the, the recent press article. Mm-hmm. You know, In terms of what we're actually carrying on, uh, our focus on how we use the underlying tech yep. behind distributed ledger and blockchain. And uh, we've made a lot of investment around where we see individual use cases. Mm-hmm. Um, some are really working well. Uh, a lot of these are, em- are going to be embraced in, in uh, a lot of different components of financial services. And so uh, although the hype around uh, crypto assets itself, you know, we're still continuing with, uh, with our work in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that article is maybe misleading. Okay. Um, on the other side, the uh, the I- encryption and uh, increased transparency that uh, that blockchain actually gives you, uh, there's a lot of benefits to to our side of things in the in the security space. Mm-hmm. Um, increasingly, you know, you might be doing a money transfer or uh, different rails, and how you can uh, utilize some of that transparency to actually give insight into what's going on in the transaction, who the receiving party is, and, uh, and so on. You can now buy your groceries at Pick and Pay with Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. So there is some, there is some well, certainly the retailers are showing some interest in it. Um, I don't know what the adoption rates have been. I suspect low. Yeah. Um, but um, what, from a MasterCard perspective, yeah. what are your views of some of these things that are going on, like the Pick and Pay 
yeah. uh, acceptance of Bitcoin at the at the point of sale. I, I mean, there's this uh, speed of adoption is always interesting. So mm -hmm. we can look at uh, crypto transactions uh, at a card activity level, mm -hmm. uh, overall at a market level, let's say. Yeah. And uh, although we're kind of into the crypto winter scenario around uh, some of the, the overseas news, you know, different uh, exchanges and wallets and so on um, blowing up or bust out scams, mm -hmm. I think those have been a factor behind uh, some of the technology from the start. Um, moreover, you know, you've got to think about the transaction fee or the gas fee mm -hmm. or uh, how much is the consumer actually paying? What's the arbitrage? around that and uh, so it kind of remains to see whether it gets mass adoption so that you can actually buy your coffee yeah. or uh, low value transactions and uh, what's the consumer experience like um, so we wait and see you know how that uh, adoption happens and uh, equally we're kind of layering the technology to be able to manage what we do in the card and traditional payments and banking space yeah. and then be able to layer similar capabilities um, but also free to proof them from things like you know quantum computing, right? Uh, some of the changes or the challenges to cryptography that might be coming down the line. Interesting. Uh, so um, in terms of in terms of blockchain, I mean, there are so many different types of blockchain out there. Mm. Mastercard might be even have its own blockchain. I don't know. Uh, but um, do you see uh, this being integrated into your platforms seamlessly at some point so that? Mm. Um, so that, that Bitcoin transactions would flow over the MasterCard network. I, I'm not the expert in this area, so so guide me a bit here. But um, sure. but where where do you see this going ultimately? Do you think do you th are you are you bullish on on crypto as a payment mechanism personally? Look, I think that uh, decentralized finance and some of the opportunities that this gives mm. um, from low value transactions all the way up to treasury transactions and how interbank. Uh, transactions might be happening. Mm -hmm. Moving stores of value okay, with transparency mm -hmm. has uh, great potential to unlock a whole bunch of things from uh, when an engine is purchased through to the service life maintenance. You know, all of that is not necessarily payments related. Uh, you can update the service schedule, for example, automate, automatically mm -hmm. to be able to track a part number in a very complex error engine, for example, or in a rolling stock locomotive or something to be able to then track, look, at what point is this going to fail, likely, how does it improve the maintenance schedule and so on, mm -hmm. uh, all the way through to the transactions elements and uh, how quickly can that actually occur, what does it mean from a, a capital and, and flows point of view, and the other side is that uh, as you're trying to balance treasury concerns and things like that, uh, this is also going to remove uh, some of the obfuscation mm -hmm. that uh, maybe the bad actors that are embracing some of this technology um, that those guys will actually be blocked out. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the, the future that we think about is uh, if there was universal adoption as a, as a consumer, I think the form factor is not actually going to matter. Mm -hmm. And the underlying tech, um, it's probably going to suit either your, the shop that you're shopping at or the bank that you bank with or you as a consumer, you're all going to get a preference mm -hmm. and you're also going to understand that, look, this is going to be built around trust. Uh, what's the consumer experience at the end of the day? How many click-throughs does it actually take for me to do a transaction mm. successfully? And then also, what's the comeback? Have I got the right or the ability to do a, a dispute or a chargeback or mm -hmm. to query the transaction to say, hey, I tried to pay for a, a bike on a, on a used goods site and uh, guess what? I've been uh, duped out of my money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Robert, just in conclusion, uh, I wanted to ask you, what, what are the two or three most exciting things, or what are the two or three things that have got you most excited in this space at the moment? So I, I think what's really interesting is to see this convergence of uh, how it, what's relevant for a large bank, multinational, pan-African, uh, you could to name it, uh, is easily as applicable and transferable mm-hmm. to what the SME is doing. So mm-hmm. a lot of the thinking around how you get customers, uh, how you keep them involved in your business model, uh, I think that's really interesting. And a lot of it comes down to uh, the, the trust between the different parties, um, how you can uh, use the different tech, and equally about how accessible it is. Um, and I think that's a, a really unique space that, that, uh, that we're moving in. It's, it's really dynamic. And at the same time, the same risks that that big multinational bank might have, mm-hmm. uh, it's also being pushed down. That that uh, that's where some of the fraudsters and the bad actors focuses now mm-hmm. is on the SMEs. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting to see how we can help um, in that space um, to be able to do that. You know, full asymmetric kind of range of uh, mom and pop store all the way up to to multinational bank, mm-hmm. um, and equally who they do business with. You know, whether it's uh, consumer, whether it's uh, different business-to-business um, risks that, that come up and equally how um, the speed of adoption can really be sped along. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Some very, very valuable insights. Uh, Robert Bryan is Director of Cyber and Intelligence Solutions in Southern Africa for MasterCard. Thanks for taking the time to come through to our studio today. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Duncan. Thanks, Robert. Cheers.